Hello and welcome to uh, this latest episode in the Back to Fundamentals podcast series. Today, we'll be talking about carbon pricing. My name's Ben Lee and I'm a, a, an analyst at Energy Aspects focused on emissions markets. And here with me today is Trevor Sikorsky, who is the head of natural gas and carbon at Energy Aspects. Carbon Carbon prices have been very volatile recently, uh, and just looking at the most liquid carbon market in the world, uh, the, the European carbon market, uh, the EU carbon market, prices hit an all-time high in in early 2021 of you know pushing towards the 40 euro mark, which is you know a lot higher than the way they have been in the last couple of years. Uh, so today we're we're going to be talking about you know some of the fundamentals behind that, um, some of the climate policies that are driving uh, such moves, uh, some of the speculative uh, behavior behind such moves, um, and uh, you know where we think things in the carbon pricing space are going to head in the future. Uh, so, well, I guess to start off, Trevor, then, uh, I guess the obvious place to start would be to talk about those those record high prices we've been seeing recently in, in EUAs. Um, I guess the, the key question is, where do we see it going next? Um, and can it be sustained? But I guess first, we kind of need to understand where, where this move came from. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, thanks, Ben. Yeah, I mean, it's been an extraordinary start to the year. And, and I guess we're going into the year, you know, we thought we, it'd be a, a reasonably strong time for prices. We were one of, I would say, probably the more bullish people out on the street on, on carbon. And we were talking about prices, you know, probably trading, you know, around 30 to 35, probably 35 around January when you didn't have any auctions, uh, sovereign auctions happening due to uh, really some technical issues about the start of the the new phase. We've gone into phase four of the EU ETS. Um, and that kind of played out as we expected. And then we expected a bit of softening into February and in, in, in we really haven't got that softening and so instead as you say we've we've just seen this real big move uh, upwards and 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 to you know almost every new high now of course is a record but it has moved up very very close to 40 uh, euros per ton uh and if you think about last year you know yes last year had a lot of uh, you know, a lot of disruption on the demand side, low, a lot of low emissions because of the COVID disruptions uh, in Europe that we saw, particularly around Q2, but again in Q4. Um, so that slowing of the economy and all of that, but still you probably had carbon prices around 25. Now we started the year, we still have a lot of those, you know, the fundamental disruptions in place. We still have problems with COVID. We still have all of those issues, but you have had this massive, massive jump. So where did this massive jump come from and, and you know and 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 how long is it going to last? And it did feel very much, you know, I'd say the you know the jump really started last week and we saw this this, this big jump and and that movement really tied in with a Bloomberg article which quoted a number, you know, of uh, respected hedge funds saying they're very, really bullish on carbon that maybe 100 euro carbon, you know, was something to expect in the, in the future years coming. Um and you know and that does tie into a very, you know, structural bullish narrative that certainly we've uh, we've advanced for the market and and I know a lot of other kind of analytical shops have done the same. Um, but on that move, I think you, you did see some some real strength last week, and we saw you know a, a record being set in open interest uh, in in call options for a given week. 
you know, it was incredibly strong. Um, almost 40 million tons of, of coal options uh, taken out last week. And uh, there was a little bit on the put side as well. Um, but that was more probably just buying some, you know, some downward, uh, what became, you know, more affordable downward protection. Um, so lots of interesting stuff going there. But that big jump in coal options that does point to a very kind of speculative basis for that move. You know, so you're looking at, um, you know, this being a, a really favored way for speculative capital to come into the market and express a bullish kind of view on the market. And we didn't really see that for most of 2020. I think we saw it maybe towards the end of 2020, but it's really, really accelerated. And of course, last week was a huge week for those call options. Uh, of course, with call options, that means you, you know, the seller of those will be in the market and will be hedging, uh, you know, it will be delta hedging those and, and probably delta, you know, it's starting with, with a fairly big chunk. So all of that is well driving interest in the forwards. I think you probably had at the same time anyone who was short. And I think there was probably some shortness in the market just because the market was trading really high. Uh, you had some bearish fundamentals. And I think those bearish fundamentals we talked a little bit about. COVID being, you know, an energy reducing factor, although I'd say uh, for Q1, it probably hasn't been that strong because you have had a reasonable bounce in uh, the residential sectors, you know, need for heating, need for power, all of those things much higher in the winter than they are, let's say, in a Q2 or Q3. And so the, the net impact, I would say, on the energy system hasn't been that high, but uh, in terms of reductions, but really, I think when you look at, you know, the other thing we were looking at as well at a period where uh, a high level of, you know, uh, of renewables has gone in the last couple of years. I mean, it, it's just part of a trend and, and that trend will continue. But it has meant that, you know, spark spreads and dark spreads along, particularly along the Q2 and early Q3 kind of months, uh, were all trading negative. And so that was, you know, kind of a signal that, you know, generally the utilities would be a little bit light, lighter on the hedging of course they've already hedged most of their 2021 uh, exposure so maybe it's it's not playing out that much but it, it it did point to even you know generally low spreads along the curve and 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 that just suggests you know lower hedging and therefore lower current demand so i think there was a kind of narrative beginning to you know to 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 emerge that would say prices you know could soften from where they had been through January. The other thing, of course, was you got the restart of sovereign auctions. Now, the, the auctions themselves have generally, you know, they've only been going for a week and a bit now. So they haven't put that much cumulative volume into the market. But it does feel like... Um, you know, with time, more and more, you know, uh, of those volumes will come into the market and maybe begin to, to to kind of calm this market down a lot. But you did see in those auctions some very big, you know, some very big moves by by uh, by reasonably. Uh, you know, some very big bids going in for a reason of by, by a reasonably small number of, of buyers, very small numbers of successful buyers in the auctions. And because of that, again, you had support as the auctions were coming in as strong as the, the you know, the, the, the derivative markets were. So all of that's, you know, reasonably, you know, it, is, it does point to this reasonable amount of speculative capital coming into the market and, and you know, and being speculative driven. I mean, there are 
are, you know, and again, these are more market rumors than anything else that Reddit is kind of picking up on this and, uh, you know, on this as a, as a commodity that, you know, you could invest in, in in terms of ETFs. And there's a number of ETFs out there um, that that people can buy. And it still seems open interest in those ETFs really reasonably low. So, you know, we don't see any evidence that this is happening. But it's that kind of, you know, it is becoming more interesting for investors. And one of the things we've talked about as a house is the desire to uh, have something you can invest in to invest in the energy transition. And carbon is an obvious one for that. And maybe we're starting to see it. Now, the big question for where do prices go from here is, you know, when you look at it, you, you know, you, you did look at a bunch of you know, call options going in, those are kind of embedded in the market now, so they won't come out too fast. Um, but you will have also seen a bunch of, you know, short term, uh, you know, uh, short term uh, technical traders. Of course, you've gone through, you know, a lot of resist, you know, resistance uh, levels. Um, and as a result, you know, it there's a bunch of bullish signals there, so they're probably jumping on that, looking for the market. Now, I think the market will look for, at some point, some degree of softness. And if you do get that softness, um, then expect, you know, particularly the more technical-driven traders, probably, you know, starting to sell, starting to take profit as that comes out. You will see some profit taking, and you could see some some prices going down. The interesting bit of it, I think, is if some of the ca- capital that's come in in the last couple of weeks uh, is here to stay. And obviously, that's just lifted the market and lifted the baseline of the market a bit higher. And then, you you know, certainly you'll have to rethink about where, what kind of range the market might settle into once it gets through this current period of volatility. So still lots to play for. I mean, if it doesn't feel like there's the fundamentals to support another move up, but it doesn't at the same time, uh, you know, at the same time, there's still, you know, technicals driving it. There's still, you know, some speculative interest. Uh, and so maybe this might hold on for a bit longer than we expected it to. But generally, we think, you know, the fundamentals suggest a bit of an easing from where we've got to. All right. So you were talking, you know, about the short-term speculative move there, and you know, even mentioning uh, the term Reddit there, mm-hmm. and we all know how that played out in, in some other markets uh, with some price spikes there. But looking a bit further ahead, and you mentioned, um, you know, that 100 euros per ton for carbon was was quoted by by some hedge funds as a, as a potential mm-hmm. price in the not too distant future. Do you think that's something that's that's plausible um, that we might see this big ramp up in carbon prices in you know in the near future coming years yeah and i think i mean this was maybe slightly now lurching into the longer term stuff um it does feel like um the market is structurally bullish right so and and it's structurally bullish mostly because of legislation that hasn't even yet been you know hasn't yet been raised but everyone expects it to be raised and that's all to do with the european green deal um the commission is putting together proposals those proposals are uh, supposed to be uh, published in uh june of this year and those proposals you know are expected to have a lot of bullish things for the ets market now the, the key things will be of course be a change to the cap and a change to the linear reduction factor. So, the, you know, uh, we expect both of those things to happen. So we expect a change, uh, a one-off adjustment in the cap downwards. And we expect that to either be in 2023 or 2024. Probably 2024 is the earliest you could get it into, but they will want to do it as soon as possible. And then the, 
then a change to the linear reduction factor to to reflect the, the fact that the current legislation is based on a 40% reduction in emissions by 2030. But of course, the Green Deal has already agreed that that 2030 target will go up to at least 55%. All right. So then I guess we do have the bullish fundamentals to support, you know, some of the speculative moves up, unlike perhaps some of the recent moves we've been seeing in recent weeks. Yeah. I mean, the reason you have that speculate, you know, the reason you have this, this bullish narrative is about, you know, the, the future fundamentals, right? It's not just, oh, we like this or, or anything else. There's a real, real good fundamental reason for why this should happen. But I would say like all of those fundamentals, you're looking at them really to kick in from maybe 2024 or around the earliest, but people will start positioning earlier, right? So it is kind of, there will be a move. And we're not that far away from 2024 and we're not, but we're not that far away from all of the policy proposals. And we talked about two things, but there's other things as well that will be bullish. And that includes the market stability reserve review, which probably will, you know, tweak some of the, the the uh, components of the MSR to make it a bit more bullish, um, and you know there's the additions of new sectors, and we might talk about that a little bit at the you know later in the call. But there's a number of things out there which are all going to be very bullish, I think. So yeah, I guess volatility has always been a bit of a feature of the carbon market. Has been you know recently in recent weeks, and we've got these proposals coming up from the EU. Um, so does that mean continue continuation of this sort of volatility story? Um, I do think it does mean. I mean, certainly one of the things you've always seen with the ETS is when you have policy development, there is lots of volatility, a lot of trading done around that policy, and there's all kinds of you know different. Um, steps on the legislative path, and each of those steps will give rise to different news stories and different moves in the market. And that just drives, uh, you know, a lot of volatility, I think, in the carbon market. Now, I mean, I, there's a whole bunch of uncertainties here, you know, and, and there is changes that will come to renewables directives. There's changes that will come to energy efficiency and, and all of those other things. But I think one of the, the other ones that the market's looking quite closely at <coughs> will be the EU ETS's relationship to the UK ETS. So all of the installations in the UK uh, have come out of the EU ETS and gone into the UK ETS. Now, I know you've done some work on this, Ben, and do you want to kind of, you know, talk about what are the, you know, what are the big kind of things to look for in that EUK ETS? And of course, the big question of, you know, when and how do we think linkage will occur? Yeah, so I guess uh, there was all the Brexit uncertainty towards the end of, well, you know, in the years running up to the end of 2020 when when the Brexit deal was agreed. And, you know, the outcome was that, you know, the UK leaves the EU ETS and a UK stand, uh, ETS will be set up. So that's, that's officially in place now. Um, and it does raise sort of a, a couple of questions, not just for participants in the UK market, uh, but also participants in the the EU carbon market as well. So, but I I guess the the big concern for participants in the UK market is there's this this carbon market that's functioning in the UK now, but there is no trade and no supply into the market yet, and that's not due until you know uh, probably Q2 21. Uh, is is the aim of to start up trade and get supply into the market for that, um, which raises this question of you know how how do 
companies price their their compliance risk when when there is no price in the market. Um, so our view is that most companies that have to to hedge because they will want to build up hedges uh, to hedge their power production uh, will be done via EUAs in the interim. So there, there is still this this sort of demand for EUAs there from the UK market. But what is likely to happen is as um, UK supply becomes available, uh, companies will roll those EUA hedges into UK hedges uh, to minimize any sort of risk between the spread of EUA prices and, and UK A prices. Um, so, so I guess what it means is, you know, potentially high prices in the UK market, potentially above uh, EUA prices in the coming months and even, you know, first year or two of the scheme, uh, because UK companies will be pretty keen to um, to get their hands on whatever UK supplies available so that they minimize their sort of risk of not having carbon permits in the compliance in the required uh, compliance scheme uh, but I guess what it means for the EU market as well is that there's likely to be a, a slow sale of, of EU allowances uh, as as UK companies convert uh, or, or sell out EU allowances to to buy UK allowances um, but I guess the key longer-term longer thing with this market is of the EU and UK have sort of talked about the potential of linking the two systems in the future. Uh, and if that happens, there will be sort of convergence with the two prices. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's sort of one to look out for in the future. Yeah, no, I think it is. And, and certainly that convergence you talked about, I think, will be... Um it's something both sides want and you know and it is that linkage which i think is just the hardest bit to to kind of get over the line given how much legislation we talked about on the eu ets side um the other thing i guess on the ets and again you've done a little bit of work on this is and we've got maybe a couple of minutes to squeeze it in is is new sectors and certainly they've talked about three new sectors two of them being transportation based and one of them being kind of uh, more about fixed, um, you know, fixed installation based and that fixed installation being home heating. But the two transports, one shipping and road transport, I guess they have different probabilities of coming in, but both kind of introduce uh, different, uh, let's say, different issues that will have to be dealt with. Yeah. So both of them interesting ones. Uh Road transport, in particularly, in particular, would be, you know, a big addition to, to the EU ETS. Um, you know, talking perhaps 800 million tons worth of new supply. Um, so, you know, almost 50, yeah, around 50 percent more than than currently uh, is covered in the EU ETS. So that that would be a big sector, and it's one that we would expect would get added as a net short. So the cap for that sector would be below where emissions would be. So. Uh, the thing with road transport is it's a sector where there aren't that many abatement options that can be driven by carbon prices where they currently are, uh, and you'd need much higher carbon prices, you know, in the hundreds to really uh, hundreds per ton uh, of uh, euros per ton to really kind of drive that switch to electric vehicles, which is what the sector really needs to sort of decarbonize in the, in the personal uh, sort of or light vehicle side of the market at least um so it's, it's going to be very driven by standards uh and uh to get that change to happen but 
yeah so what's going to happen is there'll be a sector that will be short that will need to buy permits and that's going to going to mean you know more demand uh in the market whereas shipping um you know it's, it's again we think it will be added as a, a net short because that's in line with the eu's sort of climate goals to you know drive decarbonization but it will be a smaller sector um and there are a couple of questions around you know the scope of geographical scope of of shipping in the eu ets will it be limited to just intra-EU or EEA journeys, or, or will it be you know, the full length of journeys from anywhere in the world into the, the EU? And we think it will be intra-EEA uh, journeys that will be covered in the end, just because it was so difficult uh, in the past to get aviation included full scope that um, it seems likely that the only thing that will pass legis- legislatively is... Uh, you know, a limit to intra-EA journey. So that's probably about, you know, 50 million tons or so of, of demand uh, every year from the shipping sector. So, yeah, potential new sectors adding, added into the EU ETS um, uh, that can mean some new dynamics for, for, the, for the market. Okay, well, we'll wrap up the podcast there. Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, and we'll be keeping on top of, you know, European carbon fundamentals going forward. And I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, price volatility and policy news in the future. Uh, so definitely a space to watch. Thank you.